We're in John chapter 9, and we're reading verses 35 through 41. John 9, 35 through 41. So you can follow along there on the notes. You can open up your Bible, digital, whatever you've got, and let's follow along and read. The Bible says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see. Therefore your sin remaineth. Light in darkness. Jesus makes this amazing statement about himself. I am the light of the world. And if you remember, we looked at chapter number 8. We learned how in chapter 8, Jesus makes this statement about himself and basically says, here's what that means. He explains it. In response to the accusations of the Pharisees that he's a liar, Jesus goes on to give a defense for that claim. Because when he said, I am the light of the world, he was making a claim to divine authority. He said, if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. You'll have the light of life. Jesus said, I have a say in someone standing before God. What, a, what an amazing claim that was to make. So then you get to chapter number nine, and in verse five, Jesus says it again, I am the light of the world. But what we said as we introduced this study and as we've gone throughout this study is that in chapter nine, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Here's what that looks like. I'm going to give you some examples. I'm going to show you what it's like for me through my life, through my teaching, and ultimately through Jesus' death and his resurrection, what it's like for Jesus to bring light into our darkness. And so we've been looking for the last several weeks at examples, practical, real-life examples. We saw it in the contrasting perspective of Jesus and the disciples. If you remember, the disciples were like, who sinned? This man or his parents, right? They come across this man who's blind. It must be the judgment of God. Their view was temporal. It was limited. Jesus invited them to think eternally, to recognize that God is at work constantly, even in the things that don't make sense to us. Then there was the most obvious example. Jesus brought light. He healed the blind man. We saw how that beautifully pictures salvation, and we saw an example of compassion. See, Jesus is the light of the world, and he shows us what it means to see people in their need and to love them and to care for them. And one of the things that we said then that we say again tonight is don't allow yourself to get discouraged. It's easy when you try to live with love and compassion to get discouraged or become indifferent. Jesus gives us the ultimate example. The Bible says he suffered great contradiction of sinners against himself. And if we consider the example of Jesus and how he suffered for you and for me, it can help us to be faithful. We saw then the testimony of the healed man. See, Jesus is the light of the world. One way that Jesus brings light into the darkness is by using you and me to be his witnesses in the world. What an amazing opportunity to get to be part of the advancing kingdom of God. And he invites us to be witnesses. And this man began to very passionately tell his story. 
This is before he even knows who Jesus is. You just read with me. This is the moment where Jesus actually reveals himself to this man as the Son of God. Before this moment, this man is telling his story. He's doing it with boldness. We see an incredible example of what it means to just tell people what Jesus has done for us. Jesus is the light of the world. We said that the reaction of the Pharisees was another example. Jesus shines a spotlight on these guys. The way they respond to this miracle demonstrates their pride, their hypocrisy, their self-righteousness. And we were reminded that the same Jesus who through his word and through his work brings light and shines the light onto sin and darkness is going to do the same in our lives. And we ought to welcome it. The Bible says, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But we, when we come to the light, we believe that he is. When he shows us uh, that our deeds are wrought in God, he wants to invite us to a life of faithfulness and obedience. That's the light of Jesus. The opposition of the people was the first of the two that we looked at last week. We said, ultimately, the opposition to our faith is an opposition to Jesus and the gospel. There's evil at work in the world. And that evil is opposed to the gospel. It's opposed to Jesus. And so sometimes it's easy to take it personal. Jesus said, before the world hated you, they hated me. We have to recognize when we see some of these attacks, when we see the attack on our faith, what we believe, what we hold dear, that it's ultimately about wanting to stop what Jesus wants to do. And that's change the circumstances and transform lives. These people saw Jesus and the work he was doing and his teaching as a threat, as a threat to what they were comfortable with and what they were familiar with. But Jesus doesn't keep us in our comfort zone. He invites us to something different, to something better. And so the opposition of the people was ultimately just another example of how Jesus is the light. When we see that kind of opposition, we are reminded to continue to be faithful. And that's exactly what this man did. The, the second example that we looked at last week, Jesus is the light of the world, the faithfulness of this man. See, it's one thing. Your, your life dramatically changes. It's one thing to tell your story. It's another thing when people tell you to stop telling your story and you keep telling your story. Remember last week when we looked at this uh, part in his life, his parents were brought in as witnesses and they were given an opportunity to speak up for their son and they said, let him speak for himself. Even though it's pretty clear from the text that they knew his story, they knew how his life had been changed, that it had been through the work of Jesus. And so we're reminded that sometimes as we seek to follow Jesus, is going to get difficult. We're going to be faithful, right? He was faithful, bold, persistent, and God used him in a miraculous way. So as we come to the end of the story, we see two more examples of Jesus being the light of the world. And this first one, the love of the Savior. Jesus is the light of the world, and he comes to us in our sin and in our brokenness and brings us salvation, and he comes to us as his uh, followers with a promise of his presence and a promise of peace. Jesus hears that the man who had, he healed has been cast out of the synagogue. The text says when he had found him, Jesus sought this man out. Isn't that an amazing part of that story? He says when he had found him. When Jesus heard that they had cast him out because he refused to, to stop telling his story or to change his story, when he heard this, he sought him out. And when he had found him, I just imagine Jesus telling his disciples, we're going to look for him. If you're telling me what has happened, we're going to look for him. And they searched until they found him. 
there are a couple of ways we can apply this to our own lives and to our own experiences as we once again see how Jesus brings light into the darkness. There's another picture of salvation. I love that. See, we were, we were on the outside looking in because of our sin. And he comes to us in our sinfulness and brings us to where we could not be. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And if you're here today, Jesus came and rescued you. He came and rescued me. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. See, you and I are on this earth. We're sojourners. That means we're just passing through, right? This isn't our home. We're just traveling through. And the invitation from Jesus to us is to not only accept this gift of grace and be saved, but to welcome other people. See, when you and I see people struggling in their sin or when we see some of the brokenness in the world, what it ought to remind you of and it ought to remind me of is that they need rescued, right? See people not as problems, see people not as obstacles, see people the way God sees them as lost and in need of rescuing. And when you think about people that way, it changes the way you treat them and the way you talk to them. Because what I'm, what I'm concerned about is I've been rescued, the grace of God, I've been saved because Jesus died on the cross for me, and that's what I want to see happen in everybody else's life. I want to see those that are lost be found. I want to so see those that are in the darkness come to the light. It's a beautiful picture of salvation. He, he sought him out. I just love that. Outside of the synagogue, right? We're, so, we're on the outside looking in and Jesus says, I, I, I'll, I'll take you. I'll welcome you in. And we see this over and over again. We talked about this way back at the beginning, this uh, story from Jesus' life where he embraces the man uh, who had leprosy and he heals him and he loves him. The outcast of society, Jesus said, I welcome you in. And that's his heart for all people and that's his heart for you and for me. But it isn't just a picture of salvation. It is a reminder of God's faithfulness. See, we have a command to go into the world as witnesses for Jesus. And with that command comes the promise of his presence. So here is the story. The man is witnessing for Jesus. He's telling his story. He's telling people what Jesus did for him. And what ends up happening? He gets thrown out. And this is a moment of rejection. It's a moment where he's feeling the pain that you and I have felt from family or from friends or from coworkers or from people that we don't understand, uh, from people who don't understand our faith. And what does Jesus do in this moment? He gives us a beautiful picture of his faithfulness to us, the promise of his presence. He said, if we'll go into all the world and teach and preach the gospel, I will be with you all the way, even unto the end of the world, all the way to the end of the age. Until the end of this thing, I am with you. We have the promise of his presence. And because we have the promise of his presence, We can practice his presence. What that means is that you and I, practically speaking, in the way that Christ um, has uh, called us to live out a life of obedience and faithfulness, he's called you and he's called me to remember wherever we go and whatever's happening that he is with us. Now, sometimes this is hard to practice, right? Because sometimes, I mean, we're like relational beings. We want, I want physical representation. And you want to know, Another beautiful reminder of God's faithfulness to us. See, he didn't call us to do this alone. And that's why the local church 
is such a gift. Because when Jesus commissioned his uh, followers to go into the world and preach the gospel and then uh, see the local church is God's thing. It's not man's thing, it's God's thing. And the reason that he did that is the local church as a, uh, uh, as a uh, visual representation to us of uh, the relationship that Christ has with his, his, his church, his bride, right? And when we come together as God's people and we come together to worship and to serve, what we're experiencing together is the work of Christ's presence in our lives. See, you want to have the opportunity to, to get together with your brothers and sisters, not a building, not a place, the people. And it's one of the ways that he fulfills this promise of comfort. What a wonderful thing it is that when you and I get discouraged or we find ourselves on the outside in our jobs or with our families, that I can go to, my, I can go to the people of the church and I can find a brother or sister who will put their arm around me and say, I've been there. I know what it's like to have an adult child who's decided they're not interested anymore. And I know what it's like to be uh, ridiculed in the workplace because I'm not going to go there and I'm not going to do that. It's a wonderful thing to experience the presence of Christ, the hands and the feet of Jesus through the working of the local church. And the reason we don't want to isolate ourselves is because God uses the local church and his people to bring about his presence and faithfulness in our lives. And there's the gift of the church, and then there's the gift of personal devotion and time. The reason you ought to read your Bible, right, not to check a box off of a list, but the reason you ought to spend time with God is because he's promised his presence. And when you get into the word, you're hearing from God. When you get into his presence in prayer, you're getting alone with God. And you need his presence. If we're going to be faithful, we need to practice his presence. Uh, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? He's my helper. When it gets difficult, when he leaves me, uh, when, I, when I find myself facing rejection, he's there for me. I have a, a faithful God who loves me and he speaks to me through his word and I can commune with him in prayer because I have that kind of relationship. The reason that it's so important to get into his presence daily in my own life, to set aside time, is because he's promised to be faithful to us and he's given us the means by which we can experience that faithfulness. The reminder of God's faithfulness. He says he, the, the, the text says that he sought him out and when he had found him, when he had found him, that, that's the kind of savior that we have. He doesn't quit. He's faithful and good to us. But there's one more example. Jesus is the light of the world. We see the salvation picture. We see a picture of his faithfulness. But what about an interesting lesson in discipleship? Now, I don't think we go beyond the bounds of this text to make this point. Jesus was a fan of follow-up. Right? Jesus was a fan of, of, of working in people's lives and bringing about change in their lives, but then taking it a step further. I love that Jesus sought this man out. He heard, I healed him. And since I healed him, he's been telling people that I healed him. And he wouldn't stop telling people that. And he faced some opposition for that, and he was faithful. And now here he is on the outside looking in because of his decision to remain faithful. And Jesus 
followed up with him. And when you and I, as part of the work of reaching people uh, with the gospel, part of the work of this thing we call the Great Commission, it's about reaching people with the message of the gospel, and it's about helping, having an active role in people growing in their faith. I want to see someone grow in their knowledge of God's word, grow in their faith. And Jesus, he followed up with him. I, I love the moment where he says, do you believe on the name of the Son of God? And what does he say? Lord, who is this person? So he doesn't quite understand who he's talking to, but he, he's, he's growing. He's getting there, right? He's getting there because he knows, just like after these people have talked to him, who, who, who do you think Jesus is? A prophet? I mean, whether he's a sinner, I don't know if he's a sinner. Now he's in the presence of Jesus. Jesus has sought him out, and he, he calls him Lord. And that's when Jesus says, and I love a little nod to the work that Jesus did. He said, the one you've seen, the one you're looking at right now, that's me, right? I'm the son of God. You're the, I'm the one that you see. I'm the one that speaks to you. <clears throat> and he invites him to believe. And it was a no-brainer for him because he's already on the path to faith in Jesus Christ. He already knew that this person who uh, intervened in my life is different. And the fact that Jesus comes and invites him to believe, and then the Bible tells us what? He worshiped him. And you know, the thing is, <clears throat> when it comes to spiritual growth, when it comes to uh, a moment of salvation and a continued life of obedience and faithfulness, that's what it, that's what it looks like. There's growth, there's change, there's things that are different today than they were yesterday. And when the Bible says that he worshiped him, that he fell down at his, this, it's a new moment. It's a new time in his life. And I would ask you, maybe you're here and you're newer in your faith, right? You've recently come to faith in Christ or you're growing in your faith in Christ. And my prayer is that this church is a place where you can grow in your faith, where someone will come alongside you, welcome you into the different ways in which we have opportunity to grow. But I pray that all of us will have this kind of spirit, this kind of attitude that says, I want to see people, I want to see people transformed by the gospel. I, I, I want to see them make a decision for Jesus, but I want to see them live for Jesus. And, and I'm a Jesus follower. I, I want to come alongside people and help them. And, and I just want you to just challenge yourself to think about the, this question of who are you discipling? Who are you coming alongside and saying, do you want to follow Jesus with me? Uh, you don't, you're not as familiar with uh, the Bible? I would love to talk to you more about the Bible. Is there some way that I can help you? Is there some way that I might be able to help you grow? Um, Jesus sought this man out. Jesus was a believer in follow-up. He was a believer in, in a continued work of, of, of seeing people grow. And that's the kind of uh, Christian life I want to live. That's the kind of way I want to follow Jesus. I want to tell people about the gospel. I want to see people come to faith, and I want to see them experience that life change, and, and I want to help see people grow in their love for Jesus. Now, um, life is kind of busy, and sometimes we think, man, well, I got to find a person, and I got to find, listen, if you've got people in your house, if you're in here and you've got kids, you've got some people to disciple. You've got some people to love. Some of you have people in your life I'm never going to interact with, very few, if any other people in this room are going to interact with, you don't, there are people, God has put people in your, he's given you people. It's about changing my mindset to say that God has given me people to minister to, to disciple, to love. 
Jesus is the light of the world. He wants to bring darkness into this world and he wants to change circumstances and transform lives. And when, he, uh, when the gospel makes a difference in someone's life and they believe and they are saved, it is the beginning of a journey. And part of being a Jesus follower and part of fulfilling the Great Commission is helping those who begin that journey take steps of faith and obedience and grow in their faith. And so whether you're here and you say, Pastor Matt, for me, I think it starts. I have some steps I want to take. Will you come see me afterwards? so that we can help you along in those next steps? Or if you're here and you say, Pastor Matt, I've been following Jesus, but when you talk about actively being involved and helping other people grow in their faith, I want to do that. Come see me too. I want to help connect you with what's happening here at our church to help people grow in their faith. Um, Jesus is the light of the world, the love of the Savior, an awesome moment where Jesus comes and shows love and, and faithfulness and teaches us about what it means to teach people to love and worship God. There's one last example that we see in the text, or at least that from my own personal study. And this is what we would call the pronouncement of Jesus. So at the end of verse number 38, it says, and he worshiped him. And Jesus takes this moment. So imagine the scene, right? We'll find out in a minute that there are other people there, right? It's not just Jesus and him. Right? And I don't know, I've, I've, I like to think about the logistics of things like the Pharisees kicked him out and then they're peeking through the fence or whatever or looking over the wall and they're like, it's Jesus out there talking to this guy. Like, and so then they make their way out or however went down. But Jesus is talking with this man. Some other people come around and the Bible says that after he invites him to believe, he worships him. What that looks like, what that sounded like, I don't know. But Jesus takes this moment. He takes this moment as he is being worshipped, to make a couple of statements. Statements that are convicting and revealing and that bring uh, the whole focus of our mission and what the stakes are into focus. Verse number 39, And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. You ever seen that verse cross-stitched on a pillow or anything like that? That's not the, those aren't the fun ones, is it? Like, this is not the, this is not the Jesus meek and mild, right? And Jesus, he's being worshipped. It's just been this remarkable moment. He's healed this man. Now he's sought out this man. And he has a crowd, right? And I feel like in the same way that Jesus messed with the Pharisees by making clay, he's got a message for them now. And he says, for judgment... I'm coming to the world. There is no conflict here in what the Bible teaches. The same scriptures that tell us he came to seek and to save that which was lost, that he came with love and mercy and grace, says, for judgment, I'm coming to the world. What's that mean? That means that you have to do something with Jesus. There is no room to, um, there is no middle ground, right? And what Jesus says is, I'm come, to make sure that people understand, to make it clear that I have salvation and forgiveness. And Jesus said, the, the judgment that will come, which ultimately will come at the end of this world, that which is wrong will be made right. What is crooked will be made straight. There's, there's coming a day when Jesus is going to come again in power and glory and judgment will come down. And for Christians, for, for, for Jesus followers, 
that ought to be of great motivation to you and to me. We are rejoice in the fact that if we have believed, if we have been rescued, if we've gone from darkness, spiritual darkness to spiritual light, we understand what the stakes are. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, right? And I, I love this interaction of the, the intersection of the story here. So like John chapter three is the conversation with Nicodemus. And then we fast forward to chapter nine and we have all this go down with the blind man and the Pharisees are obviously prominent in this moment. But when Jesus got with Nicodemus, he said, you know how Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness? And, and the people were sick and they either had to look and live or suffer the consequences of refusing. He said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. And Jesus was saying, there is gonna come a moment where a sacrifice is gonna be made where a invitation is going to be extended and people are going to have to believe and receive and follow Jesus or they're going to have to reject. And Jesus told Nicodemus, if you don't believe, you're condemned already. He said, so the choice is between condemnation and salvation. That's the choice. And Jesus has this long conversation with Nicodemus and lays this all out. Um, we were just over at Sight and Sound here um, our last weekend. Awesome, right? If you've never been, you should go. Awesome. Thank you, Dominic. A reverberated awesome, right? They did a show a few years ago about the life of Jesus. And in that show, Nicodemus has a storyline and he sings a whole song. Am I the blind man after all? Right? And if you were to look into the creation of that particular production that Sight and Sound did, they tell you the inspiration for that song comes from this story, Right? where Jesus challenges them to, to, to ask this question. If you think that you are the ones that are seeing, that the problem is you don't recognize your sin, you don't recognize your need for a savior. At the end of uh, verse number 39, when he says, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. He said, what in the world does that mean? Like, that sounds like the opposite of what we're trying to accomplish. And Jesus said, what he's talking about in this moment is not the physical blindness that this man had. He's talking about spiritual blindness. And he said, until you realize your need, you can't be helped, right? And he said, I'm come that those who believe that they have what they need will realize that they don't. The, the pronouncement of Jesus, the judgment of Christ, the condemnation is this. It's appointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. So Christ was offered, once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So the judgment of Christ, the choice is between salvation and condemnation. And when Jesus says, I'm come that those that see may be made blind, the Pharisees overhear all this. And the Pharisees say, are we blind? Right? I don't think there's any reason to believe that they asked this question in sincerity or out of a desire to, uh, to change, right? There's a lot of uh, skepticism and sarcasm. They say, I guess we're blind too. And Jesus says, if you were to realize, right? When he says you'll have no sin, 
right? He's saying you can have forgiveness. If you were to realize that you need forgiven because the Pharisees' biggest problem was they didn't think they needed forgiven. As far as they were concerned, they were righteous in God's eyes. But it was really their own righteousness. And Paul will later figure this out. And he'll write to the Philippian church and he said, hi, the last thing I want to do is stand before God in my own righteousness. I want the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. I need his righteousness, not my own righteousness. And so when Jesus says to the uh, uh, Pharisees, when he says, uh, at the end of uh, verse number 41, when he says, if you were blind, you should have no sin. This is the undisputed evidence of what is the unquestioned truth, and that is there is forgiveness for everyone. There's forgiveness for everyone because he says, if you were to recognize that you're lost and that you need salvation, you could have it. I know that sometimes it seems like there's a lot of hopelessness in the world. There is an opportunity for forgiveness people can be forgiven. Jesus is the light of the world. And listen, there is not a corner of this world where that light cannot reach. There is not a person whose heart is so hard that it cannot be softened by the gospel. There's no one so lost that they cannot be saved. Our prayer, our heart ought to be that everyone understands the significance. There's judgment, but there's forgiveness. There's an opportunity. And here's the thing. I'm afraid that sometimes we get a little, guys, don't get upset, but we get a little cranky. And for judgment, I am coming to this world, right? Jesus said, I mean, he went into the temple, Pastor Matt, and he's flipping over tables and doing all sorts of things. And you're right. There is truth and there's error. There's right and there's wrong. And may God give us his people wisdom to be bold and to speak the truth and to stand up for what's right. But when Jesus looks at his disciples, when he looks at these uh, Pharisees, these, I mean, these guys are the enemies of the enemies. All they want to do is take him down. And he says, all you got to do is recognize. All you got to do is see your need and there's forgiveness for you too. And our heart ought to be that every person in our life knows there is judgment, but there's also forgiveness. We believe that one day Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, he will receive his own to himself. Aren't you wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to anticipate with hope the return of our Savior Jesus and to be welcomed into his presence and the comfort and the joy that that will bring? I want to take as many people with me as I can. And you ought to want to take as many people with you as you can. Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. He's got enough grace. There's enough grace for the people in your life. Colossians 1, 12 through 14, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be the partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I was over here. I needed to go over there. I couldn't get over there. And God says, I'll take you over there. And now I'm over here. And what a wonderful thing it is. And I look over there and there's still people over there. 
And so now my heart ought to be, I want to see more people come from over there to over here. I want to be part of the work of spreading the gospel and telling people that God loves them. He died for them. He wants to save them. Jesus is the light of the world. And when Jesus concludes this story, when this whole saga of this man who was blind and now he can see, when it comes to an end, he takes the opportunity to make it very, very clear. A decision has to be made. The stakes are very high. There is going to be judgment. A just God must judge sin. But for all who will believe, all who will turn in faith to Christ can be saved. And until someone recognizes they are blind, they won't recognize their need for a savior. And may God's people have a heart and a desire to see those that are lost, be saved, to see people recognize. And listen, this is why, oh, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. There's so much, there's evil at work in this world and the the hold is strong. And I know that for me in my life, what I've experienced is that the devil just loves to, man, what they need is your elegant explanations. That's what they need. If you'll just, if you'll go into it with a really well-crafted, and I'm not saying don't think about it before you talk. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that if we're going to be witnesses in this world with all the darkness, the sin, and the tight stronghold, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There are people, they are blind. There's evil at work in this world, and what they need is the power of the Holy Spirit. And would it be wonderful if in your workplace and in your home, Jesus, as the light of the world, shined in and through you, and the Holy Spirit of God would use you. And he invites you to it. He invites me to that kind of life, that I might be filled with the Spirit and used by the Spirit of God to see people in my life saved. Jesus is the light of the world. What does it look like? It looks like Jesus helping me see, as his follower, where I'm short and changing. It's, it's about uh, seeing him as the example of love and compassion. It's about being a witness in the world. All these examples just take the truth, apply it to the practical areas of my own life, and let God use you. He's the light of the world. And he invites us to be part of his work in the world if we'll let him.